Glad that you are here. Those of you who have been a part of the Applewood family in the past, God has moved you on. We're glad that you're here. Those of you who've never been to Applewood before, glad that you're here as well. We are here today to celebrate 25 years of God's faithfulness. Uh, that is a long time. And many times through those years, we have called and cried out to God again and again and have found Him faithful. And so today, we are celebrating faithfulness. Uh, I hope that as you have the opportunity to, to mix and talk together, you'll remind one another of God's faithfulness and, and memories that you have of what He has done uh, at Applewood through the years that you have rejoiced in. I want to give a special welcome this morning to John and Julie. We're so glad that you guys are here. We are blessed. And I've been in this 25-year mode, you know, thinking, and I've got a story for you. And John does not know this. I'm pretty confident he doesn't. This will be one of the few things that John doesn't know that I know. Yeah. Approximately 25 years ago, it might have been 26, John and I were in the covenant orientation class together at North Park Seminary, affectionately known as I Love the Covenant by those of us who have been in the course. Well, it's not as if we really got to know one another. They, you know, we were cohorts and we were there for a few days together. And, and so, you know, we learned one another's first names primarily. And I just remember being so impressed with this younger man named John. You know, he, uh, he, he, he spoke out with conviction and passion. He asked incredibly sharp questions. And after a week of that, we parted ways and it was probably a few years after that John came to Applewood. God took me to New England. And quite frankly, I forgot about this guy named John, whose last name I didn't know until I came to Applewood in 2001. And then I began to hear about John Wenrick, former pastor. I didn't know who John Wenrick was until I saw a picture. It's John! from my orientation class, that John. And you'll be pleased to know that I have been following you closely since. <laughs> and John, I want you to know that, that we as a covenant, uh, both individuals and collectively, we have thanked God for you. We pray for you and uh, have been blessed by your, your gifts and your passion for Christ uh, through years of work in church vitality and, and, and a, a hunger for healthy churches and then, of course, most recently in this last year, uh, God's people recognizing your gifts and abilities and uh, voting you in as our denomination's president. So, Mr. President and my friend John, we are glad that you're here. We, we welcome you. We pray for you. We bless you. And we're eager to hear from you this morning. Congratulations! 25 years. Wow. Would you agree with me that God has been faithful, God is faithful, and will continue to be faithful? Yeah. Amen. Julie and I are so very honored and happy to be here with you today. Thank you, Pastor Guy, for the invitation to uh, be here to celebrate with you. And uh, in many ways, it feels like coming home to family and friends. Many of you are in this room, and we go way back, some of us. Some of you I pushed in a wheelbarrow when I was Farmer John at Vacation Bible School. <laughs> you know, and now I look at you and uh, it's amazing. Uh, but I also want to come here not just to celebrate and to, just to be a part of your family today, but to say thank you for your partnership in the gospel with us. 
we're a union of churches on mission. In fact, the original name of our denomination, we were known as Mission Friends. And I have to tell you, the best friends I've made in life are friends that I've been on mission on. And you're, you're very much like that to me, and Julie's and my heart today. You're one of 875 churches in the United States and Canada in this union of churches called the Evangelical Covenant Church. And I'm both grateful, honored, and humbled to now serve this church as uh, her president. So we left a long time ago, and our kids have gotten older, as we've all kind of gotten older. So um, I thought... I thought I would show you some family pictures today. Let's see if we can do this. Can you go to the next slide? I'm not, I'm not getting, this, this isn't working for me, but let's work together here. <laughs> By the way, it takes teamwork to make the dream work. Would you say that with me? It takes to make the, you got it. So let's try this. Okay. Okay, let's try this. So let me tell you a story about Guy. No, just kidding, just kidding. Okay, let's try this now. There we go. Oh, yeah, so here's our family. I'm getting it. I'm a little slow. So uh, let's start on your left. So that's Joel. He's 26 now. He's a scientist in a research and development lab with super electron microscopes. All the kids live in Portland, Oregon. Uh, that is Mary. They got married in January. She just started her own baking company called Flower and Fern, a gluten-free company. She's doing really well. Julie and I have been married 33 years. We met at Stapleton International Airport. Remember that? We remember on the news watching that night. Overnight, they would drive all the carts. Do you remember that on TV? Like way long ago. And we got married nine months later. God works in mysterious ways. Don't you think so? Okay, just looking at you two right now. And then uh, Laura and Jonathan. Laura and Jonathan met at First Covenant Youth Group uh, in Portland, Oregon. And now they're married for six years. Uh, let's see, Laura is taking a year off from teaching math in junior high, middle school. Jonathan's a corporate pilot. And that's Sloan, our granddaughter. She's about 16 months now. Uh, we're so proud of them. And then Jordy, look, he's standing on his tiptoes, sibling rivalry to look better than his brothers, you know. That's the kind of competitive family that we have. Jordan is a commercial real estate broker working with Lincoln and Portland. Uh, he's 24 now, and they all love the Lord, and we're so grateful for our kids. And we love this place. Uh, we love Denver, and so I bring uh, their greetings to you today as well. So I'm using grandparent privilege here. This is Sloan. We love her so much, and Jonathan and Laura are going to have another baby in March, so we're going to have two. We're going to have two. Is it? Well, God does work in mysterious ways. And we love being grandparents. And uh, like we said, we're, we're in Portland about once every eight weeks to see the kids. And we live in Chicago where Covenant offices are. But we're on the road together 80% of the time. And Julie and I minister out of our marriage. And I couldn't be on the road as much as I am if Julie and I weren't together. So it's a blessing for us to be able to serve together. And again, um, you have a very, very special place in our hearts. And we've been looking forward to being here for a long time. We love you. Well, thank you. Thank you. So, um, you know, speaking of family, we're kind of like God's family. And 
Uh, my favorite word for a family that's awake and alive in the Holy Spirit is this word, awaken. Would you say that with me? Awaken. And it's no coincidence that the revivals in this country way long ago were known as the Great Awakenings. And when we awaken, we suddenly see what we've been missing all along. Our, our eyes are opened, and it's the Holy Spirit who causes that spiritual awakening to occur. It's a beautiful thing. The same spirit who planted Applewood 25 years ago is the same... We look older, but the Holy Spirit isn't older. (laughs) The Holy Spirit who started this church is the same spirit who sustains and strengthens this church. Isn't that comforting to you? I mean, that gives me a lot of hope and courage for the future. And one of our, we don't have a lot of affirmations in the covenant, but one of them is a conscious dependence on the Holy Spirit. And as long as I get to serve, as long as the church would have me serve, I want to elevate this affirmation of a conscious dependence on the Holy Spirit. In fact, part of the vision moving forward all revolves around what we now call the blazing center. The Holy Spirit is the blazing center of our mission. And we're creating a resource that I hope you'll use. We're going to launch it in midwinter, February of 2020, called the Blazing Center. It's going to integrate head, heart, and hand so that we can develop a more conscious dependence on the Holy Spirit. So, Guy, I want to ask you to consider doing a series on the Holy Spirit next year uh, using the resources from our own covenant family. And I hope that every church gets to do this because the Blazing, uh, the Holy Spirit is the Blazing Center of our mission. We're going to talk today about the Holy Spirit. Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Christians know about God the Father, Abba. Love that. Christians know about God the Son, Jesus, our Savior, Lord. Our Redeemer lives. Make no mistake about that. But God the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, sort of like the Cinderella over in the corner and We kind of know that the Spirit is there, but it's mysterious, and we don't really know that well how to relate to the Holy Spirit. And yet, the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is worthy of our love, our devotion, and our attention. Wouldn't you agree? And yet, sometimes the only occasion when a church might mention the name Holy Spirit is when they recite the Apostles' Creed. Well, we can have a much deeper much more conscious dependence on the Holy Spirit than this. So part of my presidency is dedicated to raising this affirmation of a conscious dependence on the Holy Spirit. Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, we're going to laser focus in on God the Holy Spirit. Let's talk then about the person and work of the Holy Spirit. And you know right there, the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit has intellect. The Holy Spirit has will. The Holy Spirit has emotion. Now, the Holy Spirit doesn't have a body like you and I do, but nevertheless, the Holy Spirit is still a person. Does this make sense? And the Holy Spirit is God. In fact, one of the reasons we know the Holy Spirit is a person because the Bible tells us that we can grieve the Holy Spirit through moving off the path that God has for us. So the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is not an atmosphere. The Holy Spirit is not some impersonal cosmic force. The Holy Spirit is a person who has intellect, 
will and emotion. Think with me, muse with me for a moment about the work of the Holy Spirit. Where would we be without the person and work of the Holy Spirit? Think about this. Without the Holy Spirit, there would be no creation because the Spirit of God is hovering over those chaotic waters in the beginning of Genesis 1. Without the Holy Spirit, there would be no Old Testament prophets because the prophets spoke not of their own accord, but they were carried along, the Bible tells us, through the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, there would be no virgin birth because the Holy Spirit overshadowed the Virgin Mary. Without the Holy Spirit, there would be no resurrection because the Bible tells us that the Spirit and the Father raised Jesus from the dead. Without the Holy Spirit, there would be no church because the Holy Spirit was born on the day of Pentecost when the Spirit came down and gave birth to the church with those 120 or so believers gathered together. Without the Holy Spirit, there would be no Christ followers because the Holy Spirit is the one who regenerates the dead soul. Without the Holy Spirit, there would be no spiritual gifts because the Spirit is the one who gives the gifts to you and to me to strengthen and edify the church and her mission. And without the Holy Spirit, there would be no Bible. Because Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy, the Word of God is God-breathed. The Scriptures are God-breathed. And anytime you see that phrase, God-breathed, that's code. That's code for the Holy Spirit. Are you with me here? The Scriptures are God-breathed. So without the Spirit, we wouldn't even have the Word. Where would we be without the person and work of the Holy Spirit. Speaking of uh, breath, do you know that in the Old Testament, the word for spirit is ruach. Say that with me. Ruach. You can feel and hear the breath coming out. The spirit is the breath of God. And God created us with a capacity to house spirit. Because we're not just flesh, we're spirit as well. Soul. God gave us that capacity to be filled because our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, a place where God lives. Ruah. Julie and I, we have two covenant churches in Hawaii. Someone had to go there and preach. <laughs> so Julie and I went there this past summer. It was great. We met Guy's cousin Phil. Everybody needs a cousin Phil, don't you think? Come on, baby, come on. Work, work with me now. Do you know my cousin Guy? Yes, of course. Now, where was I? Oh, yeah, so, so they said, do you know what the Hawaiian word for life is? Ha. Ha. I love language, so this is just resonating with how I'm thinking here. But in the New Testament, the Greek word for spirit is pneuma, from where we get our word pneumatic, the power of the breath, the power of the air. Julie and I like to ride bicycles. How many of you like to ride bikes together? Oh, we just love doing this. And we were riding bikes the other day, and we're passing through this new development, and they're putting a roof on this house, and I hear it, bup, 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 bup. I mean, the power of that pneumatic hammer to lay those shingles down, baby. Wow, I was like, that's the Holy Spirit, and we were biking. Because the Holy Spirit, the breath, you can accomplish so much more when you're using the power of God than just our flesh power, which the devil laughs at anyway but runs away in fright when the devil senses the power of the living God, the breath of God. 
the Holy Spirit. Do you realize that if Jesus lives in you through the Holy Spirit, Jesus is closer to you than your very own breath? And if you feel lost or dead or just in a funk, ask the Holy Spirit to breathe new life in you today. And we're going to practice some of that later on. Now, let's talk about the Holy Spirit and new life in Christ. The Bible says, when you believed, you received the Holy Spirit. When you believed, you received the Holy Spirit. And there's an initial filling that regenerates the Spirit and brings us into the kingdom of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And that is both an initial filling and a continuous filling. Like when you buy a car off the lot, it's probably filled with gas. Thank God that it's filled with gas. But you've got to keep filling that tank on and on. And if you look at the verb tenses in Acts, there's both an initial filling of the Spirit. That's great. But there's a continuous filling of the Spirit. It's a continual tense in the, in the Greek. And that communicates to me that not only do we need an initial filling of the Spirit, but from time to time, for the sake of mission and joy, we need a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. Does this make sense? It is both initial and continuous. And we know that from the way the Holy Spirit's work and personhood is presented in the book of Acts. Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Many people forget, sometimes I do, that where did Jesus get his power from? The indwelling Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus wouldn't be Jesus if it weren't for the Holy Spirit. And we can't understand who Jesus is without understanding the Holy Spirit. I like to call this not just a Christology, but a spirit Christology. Think about this. Jesus wouldn't even have been born if it weren't for the Holy Spirit, you know, overshadowing Mary. And then, and then when Jesus was baptized by John in the Jordan, what happened? The Holy Spirit came upon Jesus in the form of a dove. And then what does it say? The Spirit, the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness in a time of testing. Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. He was baptized in the Holy Spirit. He was led by the Spirit. He was filled by the Spirit. He was guided by the Spirit. He was full of joy in the Holy Spirit when the 72 came back and said, this gospel's really changing the world. The Bible said he was full of joy in the Holy Spirit. How can we understand Jesus without understanding the role of the Holy Spirit in his life? In fact, so close is the Holy Spirit related to Jesus that the Apostle Paul calls the Holy Spirit the Spirit of Jesus. And this is why Jesus said, hey, look, don't be sad that I'm going to the Father. You should be happy because when I go to the Father, we will send to you the promised Holy Spirit. Like, we don't have a promised land, but we got the promised Holy Spirit. I'll take the Spirit. I don't know about you, but... so. You see, Jesus, when he was on earth, was confined to the limits of a human body. He could only be in one place at one time. But when he went into heaven after the resurrection, crucifixion, resurrection, ascension, he sent the Holy Spirit so his spirit could fill every one of his followers and disciples all over the world at the very same time. That's why we will do greater works than him. Because His Spirit, the Holy Spirit, will be in everyone who says yes to Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? 
You know this word, this phrase, Christ in you, the hope of glory? You know who makes that real? The Holy Spirit, mediating the presence of Jesus in your life and mine. So when you think about Jesus, think about the Holy Spirit's role and presence in the, in the Lord as well. Now, the Holy Spirit taught many things. Jesus taught many things about the Holy Spirit, but we're only going to get an opportunity to talk about one of those teachings today. By the way, Jesus called the Holy Spirit a paraclete. And in Greek, this means two things. A paraclete is one who comes alongside you and puts their arm around you and encourages you and walks with you on the journey. And I'm telling you, the power of another is huge when you know the Holy Spirit is your companion. Awesome. But another meaning or nuance of that word paraclete is kicking the pants. So the Holy Spirit brings both compassion and companionship, but also godly conviction when we're going off the path. Not condemnation, not guilt, but conviction. And there's a huge difference that brings godly sorrow so that we'll come back to God in a, in a deeply intimate relationship. Comfort, compassion, but also conviction. I hope that's helpful for you today. And I know that's helpful for me in my walk with the Lord. Now, Jesus taught many things about the Holy Spirit. And we're going to go to Acts chapter 1 to learn about the ministry of power. So in your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter 1. And it reads like this. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all the things that Jesus began to do and teach from the beginning until he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? See, they wanted to go back to the way things were, but Jesus was looking forward to the new thing that was going to come. He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power. Say that word with me. Power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I love this because you know what Jesus is saying to his disciples? Ready, set, wait. <laughs> and you know why they had to wait? Because you can't do the work of God without the power of God. That's why they had to wait. How could they go on this life-changing, world-changing transformation tour without the power of the Holy Spirit fueling their passion and their mission? You see, up in time the Holy Spirit was given, the disciples were cowering in fear, and it's like, are we going to be next up on that awful, excruciating cross? But when the Holy Spirit came down and filled those believers, the Spirit changed them from a group of cowards to a courageous band of brothers and sisters that would go forth and change the world 
all without frequent flyer miles or social media. And do you know why these, this little group of people could transform the world? How else can we explain it? But by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the end of the first century, the gospel had come to over 30 countries and 39 major cities in the ancient world. And these are just regular, ordinary people like you and me who were empowered by the Holy Spirit for mission. The ministry of power. We can't do the work of God without the power of God. And I think it was Richard Foster who said, we can't do, we can't do the work of God in our own flesh. We need the power of the living God. So here's our question today. How can we become more consciously dependent on the Holy Spirit? In what ways can we become more consciously dependent on the Holy Spirit? This is where the rubber meets the road. This is where we're going to get super practical. But before I share these three exercises, and they are exercises, and we're going to practice one of them this morning, actually, uh, I just want to share with you the difference between trying and training. These exercises that we're about to talk about are not about trying harder. They're about training to become like Jesus. Now, this, is, this may seem nuanced, but it's huge. Trying is about legalism and performance. Training is about relationship and apprenticeship. Paul said to Timothy, train yourself to be godly. He did not say try to be godly. Is this making any sense? So we're apprentices of Jesus, learning to live our lives as if Jesus were living them for us. And Rabbi Jesus, as his disciples, were like, so we think Jesus is the smartest person who ever lived, so we want to think just like him. We want to learn how to laugh like Jesus and love like Jesus and pray like Jesus. The disciple said, we admire you so much. Would you teach us to pray just like you? That's the language of apprenticeship. That's the language of relationship. That's about training, not about trying. And listen, when you and I are in times of great stress or duress, listen now, we will not rise to the occasion we will sink to the level of our training. Let me say it again. When we are in times of stress or great duress, we won't rise to the occasion. We will sink to the level of our training. So these exercises that we're about to talk about, not about trying. It's about training to live our lives as if Jesus were living them for us. Are you ready? Okay, here's the first exercise. Here we got my inner football coach is coming out here. Okay, practice the agenda third. So if you're taking notes, you may want to write this down. In your next prayer team meeting or in your leadership council meeting, divide your agenda into three sections. And the first section asks this one question. In what ways is the Holy Spirit working in my life? Since we last met, maybe it's a particular verse or a situation that happened. You know God was greatly at work or an answered prayer, you just sense the Spirit's presence, and you got to share it. you got to talk about it with your brothers and sisters. Just go around the room for 15 minutes and answer that one simple question. The second third asks this question, in what ways is the Holy Spirit working in our church and in our community and around the world? Talk about that for some time. And then the last third of the meeting, the third third of the agenda, asks this question, 
based on how the Holy Spirit's working in my life and in our lives together, what decisions or topics do we need to talk about tonight or pray about tonight? Are you, does this make sense? So you create an agenda that immediately captures and focuses your attention, not on two demotivating factors of attendance and money, which is what most leadership teams in this country talk about when they get together, or how administrative details encroach. Love opening football day today for a lot. Encroach, that's a penalty. You with me? On, okay, I got to get back. I'm a huge football fan. So, so many leadership teams allow administrative details and pressures to encroach upon their time when they get together as the spiritual... Now, administration is important. Don't get, that, don't get me wrong. And you can email and talk about stuff in between meetings. But when you're together, have a laser focus. Begin immediately on the person and work of the Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you, it'll transform the whole tenor of the meeting. And you'll go out of there feeling what other people went out in a big, huge meeting back in Acts 15 when all these great leaders of the church got together and it was a tough meeting. It was clutch. And they walked out of this meeting. Here's what they said. Would you say it with me? It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. And I think that the agenda of thirds practicing that will help us experience that kind of commentary on a leadership meeting. And I don't know about you, but that's the kind of spiritual experience that I long and yearn for serving as a leader in the church. Like, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit in us. I still think the Holy Spirit speaks to people, don't you? But we got to cross-reference it with the Word, Word and Spirit. And that leads us into our second practice. Ask the Holy Spirit every morning, what is it that you want to do in and through my life today? This is what I call the Holy Spirit prayer. And I've been practicing, I mean practicing, because I'm, sometimes I do well, sometimes I don't do well. But I'm practicing, so it's okay. So every morning before my feet hit the floor, I go through my progressions of certain verses that are like my life verses. And that's all preparatory for then asking the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what is it that you want to do in and through my life today? And then I listen. And I don't hear a, an audible voice, but I do get this deep sense within my spirit, and I just sense a word or two like joy. And isn't that coincidental that I'd actually hear one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit from the Holy Spirit when I ask the Holy Spirit? So that whole day, come hell or high water, nothing ain't going to get me down. Because the joy of the Lord is my strength. Nehemiah 8, chapter 10. How many of you know about the joy of the Lord is your strength? So that whole day, I don't know what's coming, but God does. But nothing is going to get me down, because that's my word. From the, and the Spirit is my joy and my very great reward. This morning, I heard the word peace. So this whole day, I'm at peace. Shalom, baby. I'm at peace. <laughs> And nothing, you know, I'm, Julie and I are very intense. We had a three-day retreat in Lake Geneva. We're here. We're going to Seattle tonight. We're home for less than 20 hours. We go to Congo, the third poorest country in the world. But we love the Congo, and we go to the hardest places as covenanters. It's part of our DNA. But this whole time, I'm just going to focus on the Lord's peace. And then I cross-reference it with the Word, because I can be self-deceived. 
So like, where is this coming from in the Word? So I think about, oh, may the God of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. Yep, Holy Spirit, this is you. My whole day today is peace. Sometimes I sense the phrase, let go. Because sometimes I can hold on to a hurt too long. And guess what happens when you hold on to a hurt too long? Develops into resentment and a bitter root. And by the way, resentment is the poison you drink hoping your enemy will die. It just never works. And if you want to seek revenge on somebody, let God do that and your greatest revenge is not becoming like them. Let go. So that whole day, I'm just letting go of this hurt or that hurt and asking God to heal that wound. You with me on this? Just practice this this week. And by the way, there's nothing magical about the morning. It just happens to work for me. So it's not illegal. By the way, this is not living up to some law. This is about living into a lifestyle of Jesus as his apprentices, disciples, because it's all about a relationship with him and becoming Christ-like. Now, lest you think this is some like new age or kind of a guru type practice, it's not. It comes right out of Isaiah chapter 50, verse 4. The sovereign Lord has given me an instructed tongue to know the word, say, just hear a word or two, that sustains the weary. He wakes me morning by morning, wakens my ear to listen like one being taught. I'm telling you, that's the language of apprenticeship, like one being taught. Do you see this? So I want to encourage you to, don't try this. Train using this Holy Spirit prayer and just see what the Holy, and hear what the Holy Spirit might do in your life this week. Again, don't make this a law. It's more about a lifestyle of apprenticeship because you admire Jesus so much. You want to become just like him. Our third practice is called picturing the Holy Spirit moving in and through your life. So one day I just sat down with the Lord and used the search tool and, you know, what are all the biblical metaphors or pictures or analogies that the Spirit gave us about the Spirit in the Word that we can use to know the Spirit more? So this is a list that I came up with. These are ways of thinking and picturing the Holy Spirit working in our lives. So the Spirit is hovering over the waters, the dove at Jesus' baptism, oil and anointing, the new birth, streams of living water. Jesus says, I'm referring to the Holy Spirit when I'm telling you about these streams of living water. The wind, fire, pouring, gift, breath, ruah, pneuma. These are biblical metaphors of the Holy Spirit working in our lives together. So we're going to practice this in just a few minutes. Julie will come up and put some more pictures on the stage in just a moment. And there are pictures around the sanctuary today. Here's what we're going to do. In just a moment, I'm going to ask everybody to stand up and go to pictures and ask the Holy Spirit, would you lead me to a picture that describes how you're working in my life right now or at my work or in my family or in this community or in the world? And then find two other people, meet in groups of three, and here's what you do. Just take one minute each and share with two other people in your small group. Here's why I selected this particular photograph. And compliments to the Evangelical Covenant Church today, you can keep this picture. (laughs) 
I love it when Walgreens puts this on sale for eight cents a copy, baby. You know, it's too good to be true. I like print 5,000 of them at once. But take, <laughs> take this home and just use this as a tool to train. This is a training tool. See how this, this is a training tool to help us be more consciously dependent on the Holy Spirit and to keep in step with the Spirit and to dance with the Spirit like the Spirit leads, we follow. It's a dance, and this is a very practical way to do that. Now, I want to show you this picture. I would choose this picture, because over a year ago, I think it's a year and six days now, that I've been serving the Evangelical Covenant Church as the president, and I began this incredible journey. And see that backpack? That's the Holy Spirit. That's my battery pack, and I never want to take that off. But the cool thing is, I know I'm not alone for two reasons. Jesus said, my Father is with me. I'm never alone. So that's a reminder. The Holy Spirit's work in my life. And over the last year, God's built an incredible team of humble, godly, gifted people. And I can't imagine doing ministry on my own. Ministry is not about singularity. It is about a team. And Jesus did this. He built into the disciples. So now I know I'm not alone, not just because my Father is with me, because over this last year, I saw the Holy Spirit bring together an incredible team of denominational leaders. And I can tell you, they are everything you would want them to be. It is such an honor to serve with the people that God has brought together on our new denominational team. Seven out of our ten senior leaders are new, including me, in the last 13 months. Oh, I'm on a journey but I'm not on this journey alone. The Holy Spirit is making Christ in you and Christ in us feel and be real. So what questions do you have about what we're going to do? Does, does this make sense? Are you ready? Yes, do you have a question? Where are the pictures? Well, Julie's going to put some up here on stage. They're back on some tables. And once you find a picture that you feel expresses how the Spirit's working in life, just find two other people, hold it up in front of you, and take one minute, just like I did with you, why did I choose or feel led to this particular picture in reference to the Holy Spirit? You're going to love this. Keep the picture. Ready? Break. Go for it. And there are pictures in the front on the corners. Please take a seat and let's move on. Did you enjoy this exercise? Yeah, see, see, this is training, not trying. And I hope that the Holy Spirit meets you in a new and special way in one of those continuous kind of filling experiences this week as you use this as a tool to picture the Spirit and to follow the Spirit wherever the Spirit leads. So I just want to share a scripture with you to conclude this part. Then we'll sing some songs. We'll gather around in a circle, and then I'll give the uh, closing benediction. Then we're going to have some great barbecue. I'm really excited about that. So, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him so that you may overflow with hope by the power 
of the Holy Spirit. The filling is for you. The overflow is for others. Love well this week. Live well. Care well. God loves you. I love you too. Go in peace.